0: Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell O'Gaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng, or call 805 God bless you. Okay, let's get into the word. We're looking at why the word is unfruitful. And we're continuing in the discourse around the importance of the word. Around the importance of the word. And we found out that the enemy, Satan, doesn't mind you. Um, Satan doesn't mind you. In the wrong place. As far as you don't hear the word. Satan doesn't mind you. In the wrong place. As far as you don't hear the word. What Satan is after in your life. Is the word. And we read from Mark chapter 4. The parable of the sower. That when the word is sown. What does he do? He comes immediately. To steal the word. So the target is the word. The target of the enemy is the word. And we also found out that if God will find a man that will take the word of God inside and receives it and leaves it and acts it, the word of God will become productive. So we're looking at why is it that the word of God is not productive in some people's life. And I gave this simple illustration. Um, okay, at the Finima Church, I gave this simple illustration. I said, You can be in a class, you know, of 20 students, and uh, a student comes out first, uh, another student comes out second, another student comes out third, another one comes out 19, another one comes out 20, you know, and uh, you find that at the end of the day, it is not based on the you're going to find out that the same subject was taught to all the students. Alright? The same time. But then, you find out that the response or the responsibility of the student to that subject is what determines the ultimate outcome. So, for instance, the student who came out first would have done his or her homework. Right? Would have read extra would have attended all the classes. And the student who came out 20th, first from the back, would have probably not done all the assignments. Not read all the textbooks that needed to be read. Now, what you find out is this. Is that the responsibility of the students to the instructions is not the teacher's responsibility. Because sometimes people say, when this teacher teaches, I don't understand. But the question you should ask yourself is are there other people in the class that understands? Yes, they are because if they did not understand, they will not come out first. Am I right? Are we together? Yeah, if if nobody understood, nobody will pass the exam. So the fact that there are people within your class that pass the exams shows that they understood. So what that means is that if the word of God is not active if it's not working it will not work in other people's life so the fact that the word of god is working in some people's life shows that there is no problem with the word am i am i right okay now i get this introduction also one of the reasons that people find out educationally why a lot of students don't do well in classes the first thing is if you don't like the teacher you will You would likely not do well in that course. I know most of you have that with either mathematics teachers or English teachers. Mostly mathematics teachers. Alright? But discover that any subject you're doing well in, the first step is liking the teacher. Am I right? You can't, and I tell people this, when people start complaining about the pastor of their local church, I tell them, listen, you cannot learn from the church where you complain about the pastor all the time. If you're always complaining about the pastor, you always feel your pastor should be this, should be that. There's no need being there. Just go to somewhere you're comfortable. It's not even a prayer point. You can never learn from a man you do not admire. In quote, You can never learn from a man you do not honor. The first step to receiving the word is to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's why the Word of God is not productive in some people's lives. Because they, they wish, oh, this was their pastor. You know, some people say, I go to this church because I'm just in this local church. But my real spiritual father is that man across the ocean. And you wonder why the Word of God is not working. Paul says to the Thessalonians, When you received us, you did not receive the Word that came from us as the Word of man, but as it is in truth, the Word of God. You cannot receive the Word of God without receiving the vessel with which the word of God comes from. And that's what happened in the case of Jesus. When Jesus was teaching, the Bible says that the, the, pe- the people, the Pharisees, were offended at him. Why were they offended at him? Was, was the thing that Jesus was teaching not the truth? It was the truth. But you know why they were offended at him? They say, is this not a carpenter's son? Are his brothers not amongst us? So sometimes we discover that the age of a, of a, of a preacher... The, the background of a preacher, the experience of a preacher, certain things around the preacher can become a limitation for not receiving the word. And that's why you see, for instance, there are preachers who dress very funky, you know, they, are, they don't really... They just dress in a contemporary way. Now, if you are conservative, if you're a conservative person, you'll have a problem. Because, first of all, it's not the word you're going to receive. You're first of all going to receive the vessel. And then their preachers were also very conservative in their dressing, ecclesiastical in their dressing, they will wear a robe, they'll do this. If you are a contemporary person, what are you going to do? You're gonna first of all have a problem. That, oh, this man needs to upgrade. You know that when you look at him, you'll be looking at the things he can change. Oh, he should wear this, he should do this, he should do this. And Sometimes we see those things as, oh well, we, we really want this man to become 21st century compliant or want this man. But those things sometimes can be the distraction of the enemy to take us from the most important thing. What's the important thing? The word of God. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So when, G, when Jesus was talking about John the Baptist, the first thing he said, he says, when you went to the wilderness, what did you go and see? He says, did you go and see a man dressed in? Because a lot of people are going to go to the wilderness and say, wow, man, how prophet wear Kameh's hair? Does your prophet wear Kameh's hair? You know, is that what you go, what you're going to see? Are you going to see a man in this way? He says, no, but that guy is more than a man. He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So, what I'm saying essentially is, though our perception of the vessel will affect to a greater extent, what? our reception of the word Uh, do you do you get what i'm trying to say yeah that's why it's also very important for a minister of the gospel to also try to paul says that if we know that this is going to cause a stumbling block for our brethren we will not partake in it what that means is that a minister of the gospel should know that whatever he does it's not just, oh, I'm comfortable in this. This is just me. Anybody who doesn't like me, I don't care. No, you should care. Because if, for instance, the way you dress or the way you appear or the way you talk or whatever around you is going to cause people not to receive the gospel, then it's better you abstain so that some might be saved. You you get what I'm trying to say. And Paul also, you know, goes in that line. So, I'm just giving you an introduction about um, the word stumble there when people get offended at ministers and then they stumble so sometimes it is an attack on the word that is essentially that go to mark chapter 4 we we have a very limited time tonight so we'll just go quickly to mark chapter 4 we're going to look at the the second set of ground why the word of god is not productive mark chapter 4 verse 19 and i'm going to read the new king james version and i'll read the amplified version Let's start reading from verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among tongues. They are the ones who hear the word. So these people hear the word. Now, I'll say this here. The word of God cannot be productive in your life if you don't hear it. The first step to productivity is to do what? To hear the word. It's important that you hear the word. It's important that you be you stay in an atmosphere where the word of God is being taught. The hearing of the word is important. We've talked about what you hear and how you hear. So hearing is the first spiritual process to getting the word into your heart. The way the word of God is sown in your heart is to hear it and also to speak it. So this set of ground, they hear the word. And look at this now. Three things are listed there. Number one, the cares of this world. Number two, the deceitfulness of riches. Number three, the desire for other things. I want you to look at that word. Uh, where is this? The desire for other things. I think the King James uses the word lost. But New King James the desires for other things. L- observe that word right there. Entering. In. choke the word. Now. if If it says entering in. It means that these things. The cares of the world. The deceitfulness of riches. And the desires for other things are outside. Yeah? Am I right? If it says entering in, it means these things are external. Right? And these things, although they are external, if it does not enter in, then there's no problem. Right? Hey, come on now, follow me. Yeah, it means there's no problem with it. So it has to enter in. What's the purpose of this thing entering in? To choke the word. Use a brighter color. To choke the word. Right? So it means that when the deceitfulness of riches is, is, let's say this is your heart. And there's deceitfulness of riches, lust for other things. Uh, what's that? Cares of the world are outside. And then the word of God is planted. The seed of God's word is planted into your heart. Now immediately the seed of God's word is planted into your heart. Deceitfulness of riches is seeking to enter. The lust for other things is seeking to enter. Cares of this world is seeking to enter. Right? Right? Now when it enters, what's the goal? The goal is to come right side by side with the word and to choke the word. You know what choke means, right? What does choke, choke means? It means to, str- to choke means to choke, right? <laughs> There's nothing about it anymore. To choke means to choke. It means to strangle. To prevent from growing. Now listen to this. To share the same resource with. If something is choking the other, it means both of them are struggling for the same resource. Yeah? So it means there's these amounts of resources available and both of them are scrambling for it. So you can see what the enemy is after with these things now. You have to watch what the enemy is after. What is the enemy after with the deceitfulness of riches? The cares of this world and the desire for other things what is the enemy after to hinder the growth of the word so you see again the word so if the enemy cannot remember the first tactics what's the first tactics to steal the word immediately so persecution and trials come so I mean you hear the word you're on fire for God and the enemy comes and tries to steal the word he can't okay so he gives you persecution boom you're strong he brings trials. Yeah, you're well able. Superman in Christ. So he says, okay, fine. We are going to give you legitimate cares. They are not sins now. We're not talking about sin here. These are cares. I mean, legitimate cares. We're going to give you something called the deceitfulness of riches. And I'm going to explain this. And just desire for other things. Just, just desire. There's nothing there. Just one more. And what's going to happen is you might be comfortable at this stage. I mean, you know, you care about your children. You care about this. You care about that. You care about this. You care about that. You care about this. And before you know, the care becomes anxiety. And when it becomes anxiety, this is the strategy right here. Listen to this. When it becomes anxiety, you will now try to solve that care. And what happens the time you are supposed to give to the Word, you give it to that care, and the Word is not nourished anymore, and the Word does not become productive. Has he succeeded? Absolutely. Come on. Is that not what Jesus told matter? Yeah? Right? That's what Jesus told matter. He says you are cumbersome with many things. You care about many things. But one thing is needful. So Jesus comes into the house of Mary and Martha, you know, like women do. Every time they have visitors, then they just quickly go to the kitchen. They are trying to get Have you ever gone to visit someone and I try to prepare something for you? And in your heart you are just saying, Can you just sit down? Let's talk. I came to see you. And they are never there. Have you? Have you experienced that? They're never there. They keep coming from the kitchen, especially those that are good with hospitality. They bring drink, they bring biscuits, they bring trims, they bring uh, I wanted to say cockroach. <laughs> you know, they just bring, they just keep serving and keep serving. But have you found out that sometimes at the end of the day, you did not spend time with those people, you spent time with the food. And you just say, ah, it is well with you. I say, ah, thank you. Next time, thank you for coming. No, no, you didn't give us the time. know I'm not saying don't entertain your visitor. Next time I come to your house, say, pastor... <laughs> There's no drink for you. Here yeah, am I. Might spend time with me. No, no, no. No, that's not what I'm saying. Here yeah, am I. Might spend time with me. I just speak. Your servant is listening. That's not what I'm saying. So you don't get me hungry every time I come to your house. They're yeah, good. But I'm just giving you a scene here. That it's possible to do good for someone. But what the person actually needs is you. And what the enemy does is that he gives us all of these legitimate cares. And then there is no time for the Lord. And when there's no time for the Lord, there's no time for his word. What's beginning to happen? You're beginning to choke the seed. And the seed is not growing. And after many times, you just look back and say, Hey, I'm supposed to have moved from there but you would have spent all the energies with the cares of the world. What do we do about cares? What do we do about cares? What is our approach to cares? We're going to come back here. But let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. So he says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Okay, okay. Interesting. In fact, when I was studying this today, that's when I now... This, this, um, this well, it's so beautiful when you get into God's word. This verse begins... I, I began to see some very profound things in this verse. You know what the next verse says? Be sober and vigilant. Does it now make sense? In the context of what we're teaching. He says, cast your care on the Lord. Then he goes on to say, be sober and vigilant. Why is he saying be sober and and vigilant? Because cares are the enemy's weapon to get you distracted. So you can see right now that the next verse now makes sense when we understand that the cares of this world are destructive mechanisms to choke the word. So he says, now let's read on. Let's read on now. He says... Be sober and vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How is he going to devour? We know that Satan cannot overcome the believer. Because the greater one is on the inside of us. So how is he going to devour the believer? He's going to devour the believer when he gives the believer enough cares, right? Right? To the extent where the seed of God's word is being choked and there's no word for the Holy Ghost to walk in and you open your door to all kinds of things and bad things begin to happen, all kinds of crazy things begin to happen and say, "Oh, Satan is after us. No, Satan was not after you. Satan was after the seed of the word that was planted in your heart but he did it by giving you cares. He did it by giving you cares. Let's read from the Amplified. It says, casting the whole of your care, bracket, all your anxieties. So you list that. List that. Your anxieties, all your worries, all your concern, once and for all on him. I like the, the thought of once and for all. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Be well balanced, temperate, of sober minded. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours. The devil roams around like a a lion. Roaring in fierce hunger. Seeking someone. To seize upon. And devour. Now. What do we do about legitimate cares? We cast them on the Lord. Now how are you going to cast your care on the Lord? You are going to find. The word of God That relates to that care And stand on that word Cares come To choke the word We use the word To drive out cares If you focus on the cares Then you won't be able to focus on the word But if you focus on the word The word will take away what? What? The cares. Are you? Are we still together? I said, are we together? Can we go back to Mark chapter 4? Mark chapter 4. This is, very, this is a very simple stuff, but very profound. Very profound. On how, why is the word of God not working? Cares. Cares. And when I become so conscious of these things, when I become so... I like what a guy by the names of... Um, they call him Jamie Fossett Brown. A commentary he, he, he wrote about this verse. I'll just read it. He says, The cares of this world. Anxious, unrela- unrelaxing attention to the business of this present life. When he when was commenting on what it means to choke the word. He says, Drawing off so much of one's attention. Absorbing so much of one's interest. And using up so much of one's time. That the only dregs of these remain for spiritual things, meaning that these anxiety, these legitimate things take us so we spend so much of time on these things that at the end of the day, it's only very little time, you know. And when I when I when I'm thinking of this, I'm actually thinking of women, right? I know some men, but I'm I'm actually looking at women, right? Because sometimes, if you're married, if you look at your wife at the end of the day, it's almost like she's exhausted. It's going to work, cooking, putting children in bed. By 10 o'clock, it's like, woof. All the energy is gone. And then you say, let us pray. <laughs> and you know the lines of the prayer. Father, we want to thank you for today. We thank you for tomorrow. <laughs> and we thank you again. Amen. And you ask yourself, if you are praying, Father, thank you for today, thank you for tomorrow, and we thank you again for the next 10 years. Will you be able to move mountains? But I mean, you have the desire to pray, but you are tired. You're gone, your energy is gone. Were some of were most of the things you were doing legitimate? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. It's like when Mary wanted to serve Jesus food. Yes. I remember Gloria Copeland saying when the when the kids were growing up, she discovered that she wasn't having time for the Word, and so she began to get up early, spend time with the Word before the children would grow up and all, we, we get up and all that. But she said something powerful. She said she she now remembers that. It was like the Holy Ghost was giving her wisdom to go about the house things and everything. She realized that after spending time with God, she was able to do so much more quickly. It's like wisdom was just available on how to go about these things. And it can happen for, for, for men also. I'm not just talking about house things. For men. Legitimate care about your family, about your job, and all of that. Before you know, it's weekend. There's no time for the word. There's no time. Cares of this world. And as the aim is pushing those things to you, he's causing them to choke you. And I, and I was I was joking with them at the film in my church. I said, you know, people say they don't have time for the word. Oh, I'm busy. You oh, know, there's no time. There's no time. Those same people, they get sick or something, they get them, uh, they are in the hospital bed. Maybe something happens to their leg. They're hanging one of their leg up. There's, um, what do you call that in drip? Water dropping in their body, you know. And you know what they are going to tell you? Ah, please bring down my Bible. You know, bring everything. Now they are going to have time for the Word because they can't move. But probably if you have spent more time on the Word, you wouldn't be there. Then they are going to put a Bible under their pillow. They are going to put a Bible by their side. They are going to have time to watch TV. Ah, give me pastor's messages. Let them be playing. Now you've got time. Don't be pushed. To the end of your life, before you have time for God's word. While you're still healthy, while you're still able, while at the prime of your life, take out time and spend it in the word of God. Are you following this? Number two, let me leave that. Cares. So we talk about cares, legitimate cares, and all that. You know, I I want to say this. Legitimate cares can make you live a life that chokes the word of God. Let me give you a simple example. There's nothing wrong about... Please, understand this. Understand my heart in saying this. There's nothing wrong about saving for the future. You know, planning for your children. Trying to lay things aside. But you know, that can become an obsession to you. That you don't even have room to give to the kingdom... Because you want to protect your children's future or your future. And actually, listen carefully to this. Instead of just the basic thing of planning for tomorrow, you have gone into fear. And unbelief. Right? And now, you are trying, listen. You are trying a human attempt to secure these children's future when your faith should be on the fact. That great is their peace because they are taught of the Lord. The word peace is shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Includes their prosperity. Includes their education. Includes their well-being. And if you don't, that care is legitimate. Should you do not think about your children's future? Yes, you should. So, but you see that the enemy can drive that fear into you. And it actually begins to choke the word that says that you should not lay up treasures on earth. And before you know, I'm, I'm like I said, get my heart in this. Before you know, what is all your focus? Laying up treasures on earth. So what's going to happen? That word is being choked right now. That word will not become fruitful in your life. You will not be able to see divine resource available to you because in your own human mind, you have planned and covered the next 20 years. And even when God is speaking to you about releasing something for the kingdom, you're like, no, that is my child's school fees when he's 32. That thing is not moving. And and God is talking to you about giving, and you're like, no, don't, don't go there. That's my insurance in case I die. The children are secured. And God is like, no, 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 come on. What's that thing doing? Is it is it a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. But if we're doing that out of fear of the future, it's robbing us of faith. Because the spirit of fear is anti-faith. Do we plan for our children? We plan. But we plan because it's a good thing to do, not that it is because their future is going to be dependent on our plan. What's their future dependent on? What's their future dependent on? God's word that says, once I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed beg for bread. That scripture shows us that our children will never beg for bread. And if we, if we stay on that word, you know what's going to happen? God will begin to guide us on what to do. Are we together? So, legitimate, I've just given you one, concerning your children, concerning your wife, concerning your husband, concerning your job, everything. You know, sometimes the legitimate care of trying to preserve your job, you might lead you to compromise you pleasing everybody. you serving everybody. You're just doing things just to... Oh, you don't, I don't want to lose this job. I don't want to lose this job. I'm the breadwinner. I'm the breadwinner. I'm the breadwinner. You don't want to lose the job. Instead of doing everything as unto the Lord, you are not doing everything as, as unto people. What's happening? What's happening there? Your faith is no longer on that scripture that says, whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. You begin to compromise. You begin to cut corners. You begin to walk in unrighteousness. Why? You know you are the breadwinner. But if you believe that God is your source, what are you going to do? You're going to do everything unto the world. So you see how some of these legitimate things can choke portions of scriptures in our life, right? Not just about what I'm preaching, certain portions of scriptures. Legitimate care of being healthy, you know, just being healthy, take care of your health, you know, do this. It can become an obsession. You can see bacteria in everything. It's come to church, you know, the way they are sitting in this church, everybody on one chair, ah, this you, before you know, you are becoming a medical doctor. And what's, what's that, what's that? <laughs> That's going to choke the word. Cause unknowingly to you, you're beginning to open your door to fear. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Wow. Deceitfulness of riches. Deceitfulness of riches. I want us to read a scripture. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9 to 10. So we've talked about care. So anything legitimate can distract us from God's word. Are you, are you following this? Are you following this? Even a pastor. A legitimate desire can distract. A, leg, a legitimate desire and care for the church to grow. Can distract the pastor from the word. That can choke the word. What happens? He begins to want to look at sermon that will meet the people's need. Yeah? Begin to put strategies. What do people like? I mean, before you know, it is more now about the people. The people become the one who direct what comes from here instead of the Lord directing what comes from here. And what happens? That chokes the call of his life. So, I'm, what I'm... What I'm telling you tonight, I don't want you to look at sin. Do you get the point? These are not sins. These are legitimate things, but taking them to the extreme takes the productivity of God's word out. So that's why I'm giving you all these, you know, examples. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. First Timothy 6, 9. We're talking about the deceitfulness of riches. First Timothy 6, 9. Look at this. It says... um, Verse 8. Let's read from verse 6. First Timothy 6, verse 6, quickly. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. And it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. I thought godliness and contentment. Make sure you get the series. And those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Oh. I, I, it's just, uh, we don't have the Amplified up, but I want to read something from the Amplified Version. I want you to pay attention to it. Look at this. Uh, and it is indeed a source of immense profit. For godliness accompanied with great contentment, that contentment, which is a sense of inward sufficiency, is great and abundant gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and obviously we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we shall be content, satisfied. Look at verse 9. But those who crave to be rich fall into temptation and snare, and into many foolish, useless, godless, and hurtful desires, that plunge men into ruin and destruction and miserable perishing. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evils. It is through this craving that some have been led astray and have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves. Now, this is what I like about the Amplified. Listen to this. through pierce themselves through with many acute mental pangs. That's what I like about that. Mental pangs. So, it, it connects the love of money to your mind, to your thought process. That through the love of money, many have pierced themselves with mental pangs. Now, when the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of riches, it can happen in both ways. Number one, when the Lord has prospered you, you can become so comfortable that you don't even have time for the word anymore. So the Bible says, remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. Not when you have you know, cutting everything, and say, Well, the the work of my hands, you know, my my hard work has given me this. And your wealth now becomes a stumbling block from you receiving from the word. Instead of enhancing your receiving from the word. And then also, poverty can be it, you know, the sinfulness of riches is not just about uh, people who have, even people who have not. They can be deceived about riches. Where they feel everything they need is just money and not the word of God. And so even when you're preaching to them, they'll tell you, well, you know, you cannot preach to a man who is hungry. A hungry man is an angry man. Yes, that's why we want to solve the anger. That's why we're preaching to you. And he say, you know, even Jesus cared about the poor. And I showed you, Jesus did not feed anybody until they had heard the word for three days without eating. You know, sometimes that state of hunger makes you receptive to everything. Your ears are sharp. You don't miss any word. You're just, everything is entering your spirit, soul, and body. But now we put food before teaching the word. And then after feeding everybody, they are sleeping while you're teaching. Jesus was wise. Three days they followed him before he fed them. And the people Jesus fed were not people in his house, in their homes. Where did he feed them? In the desert. What were they doing with him in the desert? Listening to the word. so what's the deceitfulness of riches it is that thing about money that makes people stray away from the faith chokes the word chokes the word and I I said it on Sunday it was a bit harsh but it was good on Sunday you you were even walking with a a so called Christian brother he signs a contract with you but because of the deceitfulness of riches what happens? he doesn't do a good job he messes you up, all he just wants is the money and what is that going to do in his heart? That's going to choke the word of God. It's going to choke the promises of God in his life. And the word of God will not be productive. Money must never become the goal of any believer. Christ is your goal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He says, through the love of money, many have pierced themselves with mental pangs. Many have pierced themselves with mental pangs. Can't tell how many people sit in church every, every weekend. And still go out and play Naira Bet. And you wonder. Are these people born again? A genuine believer won't do that. There's nothing in the scripture. That will prompt you towards that. But what's that? The love of money. It will choke the world. So regardless of what is being preached to you. About patience. About you know. Um, about patience. About trusting in God. It doesn't work. Why? You, you're quick. When. MMM came. I know some of you don't want to hear that name. I'm glad. But you lost your money then. Oh God. Even some preachers took it. And were preaching it from the prophets. It was purely the love of money. Absolutely. We can say that now because we can see it clearly. Why? That's not the gospel. Does God want us to prosper? Absolutely. But there's nowhere in scriptures where there's prosperity that was not gradual. I know people say, well, what about the children of Israel? You know, in one night, God asked them to go take the gold and the silver. One night, they became rich. That one night was 430 years of working without pay. Can you work 430 years without pay and then one night you begin to get gold and silver? What has breathed this form of Christianity that is choking the word? Lack of patience. deceitfulness of riches. We have exalted money so much, it has become a God in our midst. There were times when people could just give offerings in church and nothing will happen. Now when you give a particular sum, what happens? You have to stand up. People have to see you. What's that? Deceitfulness of riches? And that chokes the word of God. You even find people, even when people don't have, they are very uncomfortable coming to church. Because to them, whatever is about church is about the money. This can happen in both ways, like I said, to those who have and to those who don't have. Sometimes the people that suffer from the deceitfulness of riches are the people who don't have. Because they think that money is all there is. And as far as the enemy can keep that in front of you, you will never pay attention to the word. You can come to a church like this where the word of God is being taught and it does not consign you to listen to the word. All you are just saying, where is the welfare department? Where is the welfare department? How can somebody be in a church like this and go to sleep and not eat food and they are preaching brotherly love? What kind of... You will never listen. Your hunger will never make you listen. And then the word of God is not working. Are are you following what I am saying? I read something to them from Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8. Go back home and read it because of time. I want to quickly rush this. The, the the Macedonian church. The Bible says, out of their deep poverty, it says the grace of God was arousing in them a desire to give. Listen to me. They were poor. And it said they were they wanted to contribute. Say they begged Paul. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 to 3. They begged Paul to contribute to the giving of the... To the saints in jerusalem these guys were poor the bible calls their poverty deep. yours is still poor but this theirs was deep but when they encountered the word you know what the word began to do for them it began to arouse in them desire to give they didn't say ah why are you people taking all the relief materials to to the saints in jerusalem when jerusalem is the headquarters church are we not of the same vine if they are poor people there are they not poor people here And then they announced that Macedonia poor people's association against Apostle Paul. No! But they were begging Paul. We want to give. Paul says they gave beyond their ability. What was happening to them? Those saints in Macedonia were not caught in the deceitfulness of riches. Even though they were poor, when they heard God's word, God's word began to stay in them a grace to give. You know what happens? When a man who is poor truly finds the message of Christ, he will no longer see himself as poor. You'll be looking for an opportunity to be of a blessing. When you have heard messages and heard messages and you still refer to yourself as we poor people. I know the word is unproductive. The first thing the word of God does on your inside is to change who you are. You no longer see yourself after the flesh. You see yourself as who you are in Christ. Every little opportunity you'll be looking for a way to give. The deceitfulness of riches, it chokes God's word. The last thing is the lust of other things. Desires, just ambitions. You can be so ambitious about things, and it will just block God's word from being productive in your life. The Christian life is very simple. Because of time, I'll just wrap up here. You go back and read First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 16. It talks about the loss of the world, the pride of life. I'll tell you this. The Christian life is very simple. Follow God one day at a time. He will lead you to the end. Just follow God. Are you following what I'm saying? The truth of the matter is, listen to me carefully tonight and don't miss this. The things God has planned for you, you have no clue. The amazing things God has planned for you in your future. You don't have an idea. You can't even dream them up. You can't even plan them up. You can't even think them up. God has good plans for us. Even in ministry, I've learned that. To just relax and follow the leading of the Lord. Just one step at a time. Just follow Him today. Follow Him tomorrow. Follow Him the next day. Follow what God's Word says. And before you know, even those things that people are running after, what's going to happen? Scripture says He's going to add them to you. Praise the name of the Lord. The desires for other things. You see people who desire to have a better life and are separated from their families. Separated from people they love. Separated from the churches that God has placed them. Separated from the assignment that God is giving to them. They just want a better life. They want this. They want that. They want this. And what happens? That chokes faith in their hearts. Listen to me tonight. God is a good God. He cares about us. If we follow Him and if we listen to Him, He will take care of us. I can assure you that. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm looking forward to a time where i (laughs) mean. I'm looking forward to a time where there will be two, three jobs offered before you. There will be one that will pay, maybe pay like a million dollars, one paying five hundred thousand one one paying $300,000. And you'll be able to say, hey, come on, if I go to this place where they are paying me a million dollars, I will not find maybe good spiritual atmosphere or something or something or something. I'm looking at the time where people can begin to reject money and put their spiritual life first. And say, "Listen, listen, this is a better offer but we feel that the Lord wants us to stay here now. You know, if that happens, even some of your pastors, I won't cancel you that way, because I want you with me. When you know, some pastors will cancel and say, you know, the church is you. As you go, you carry the church. <laughs> because by the time you calculate the tide of a million dollars, I a Even for preachers of the gospel, we need to come to the time where we can reject some offerings. Somebody says he wants to give to the church. We, don't worry. Just keep your offering. Keep coming to church. You know, we we're not going to preach that. You know, whatever you bring to the house is sanctified. As far as I lay my hands on it, there's no problem with it. Elijah rejected Naaman's offering. Gehazi pursued after it and got leprosy. There are things not to chase after, and he lost the right to work in ministry. Simon the sorcerer told the apostles, he said, take some of this money and give me some of that Holy Ghost. And says, your money perish with you. We need to come to that point, even as ministers of the gospel, where money does not determine where we preach or where we don't preach. It's called the deceitfulness of riches. Where we don't put people in positions in churches because of what they have and what they don't have. Where we follow the biblical criteria of who an elder should be. Not the criteria of the cars they drive. Those are deceitfulness of riches. And if we allow these things into us, you know what's going to happen? It chokes the word. And we discover that as a congregation, deceitfulness of riches can make us choke the word. And the word of God is not productive in us corporately because we have exalted money above the word. So even as as a minister and as a leader of the church, I must make sure that my eyes are constantly on the word. If we put the word first, God will call the resources to follow. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you tonight. We receive correction and instruction from God's word. Our pray that our hearts are established in this truth. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to Present Truth broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormarks.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.